Amen. Well, welcome, Shine, and welcome to the Shine living room. Uh, we're trying to uh, make it a little more intimate here, and I know that some of you are probably uh, in your pajamas or... Uh, you know what we need to do is when we get back, we're going to have a weekend where everybody gets to wear at church what they wore at home during the services. Uh, actually, maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> hey, um, I'm super excited. We're, we're jumping into a new series uh, on the book of Ephesians. This time last year, we actually uh, did the book of Acts, and we got so many good comments and so much good feedback about that um, that we felt like uh, this would be a good time to jump into more of a kind of a verse-by-verse teaching. So we're going to do that for the next few weeks. Um, uh, we want you to we want to encourage you read through the book of Ephesians, and we'll actually post uh, via social media this week kind of uh, exactly what we're going to be going through. But this week, I want you to just read through all six chapters and kind of get a big, um, a big picture view of, of the book. So before I jump in, uh, there's a quick announcement that I need to make and make sure I address with everybody, and that is this. Um, we have had two uh, really encouraging announcements this, that took place uh, on Friday of this week. The first one is this. Uh, President Trump actually got uh, or spoke out and said that um, churches are essential. Um, well, it only took a couple months, but they finally figured that out. Um, <laughs> actually, we've been essential from the very beginning, in my opinion. And what's, what's encouraging for me is that um, the world leaders are starting to see what happens um, when a group of believers aren't actually um, given the chance to actually get together and meet together. Um, tensions start to get high. Uh, matter of fact, I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to last week's message uh, the teaching team gave, I want you to go online, go either to our YouTube channel or Facebook, book and listen to that message uh, because uh, we just, we really felt like the Lord was behind uh, some of the things that were said that weekend and go back, listen to that. It really gives us um, things to do in the midst of times like this where tension can sometimes be heated. The second announcement though that came Friday this week was our county commissioners uh, for Douglas County, uh, they love the Lord. Um, they actually believe in Jesus, and they are fighting for the churches uh, in Douglas County in this area. And they actually uh, put in for a variance that got approved by uh, the Colorado Department of Health and uh, Environment. And, and um, here's what it means. Um, churches can start meeting again. Now, that is super exciting, and um, we're we're encouraged about that. We can't wait to see everybody and, and put people in this room. Uh, I can't wait to actually speak to more than uh, seven people in a room. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be amazing. But here's, here's the thing that you need to be aware of in the midst of that. There are all kinds of restrictions that actually apply to this variance. Yes, we can meet. We can actually meet um, in our room. We can have 50% of what the capacity normally is. Um, and in the middle of that, we have to have the social distancing restrictions apply as well, uh, along with how people come in, where they leave from, um, the sanitary issues, all of those things. There's a lot of details to be worked out uh, in regards to this. And with our small little space that we have, um, we are, we're, here's what we're asking. We're asking that you will pray for us. Pray for us as a leadership team. We're going to meet uh, on Sunday, and we're actually going to discuss, okay, what does this look like, and what is our plan of action to actually being able to reopen Shine Church? Um, so pray for us. Pray that we would have wisdom from the Holy Spirit in regards to how we do this, because um, as, as excited as all of us are to get back together, um, here's what I know. We want to 
um, we want to comply to those restrictions so that it, we do it in a safe and healthy way. Um, and, I, you know, again, we have people in all areas of the spectrum. We have people that are ready to go um, and just have service full on like we normally uh, used to have. And then we have other people that have told me, actually, I'm waiting to hear what you guys are going to do. Um, and then we'll determine whether we come. And then I have other peoples that I know that um, are still, we're going to watch you online for a while uh, until we really feel safe. And so uh, we want to meet uh, everybody's need uh, because you all are a part of Shine Church. And we want to make sure that everybody uh, feels comfortable with getting together and worshiping together. So pray, pray for us. Would you please, please pray for us? Um, okay, that's it for that. Um, we will be informing you via email. Um, early this week uh, about um, the steps that we're planning on taking in regards to this. One of the, one of the restrictions on the variances is we can't have um, any uh, nursery or children's church ministry um, yet. And so uh, we have some dynamics with that to, to pray through as well because we want to minister to uh, all of your children as well. So we'll, we'll be praying for that. So um, as I said, we're going to jump into uh, a little book study on the book of Ephesians. And so uh, I'm going to pray. Would you join me in praying right now? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for the life that comes from your word. I thank you in particular today for the book of Ephesians. Um, I actually found myself um, just, just feeling so close to you this week and studying this and understanding that um, when you had Paul write this letter, um, not only did you have the church in Ephesus and the other local churches around there in mind, but Lord, you had me in mind. Um, you had everybody listening to me right now in mind. And so it wasn't just a letter that was to be written to um, that church. It was a letter that we uh, are supposed to take into our spirit and understand the heart that you um, were giving to Paul as he was writing this. And so now, Lord, um, as we just sit down, as we do a little uh, Bible study, God, I pray that you would help us to understand the depth um, and the width and the height the length of your love for us, and, and God, that you would give us um, just deep revelation. Lord, I pray that even as I'm teaching through this right now, that you would give me insight um, as I just open up your word and we read through uh, the first part of chapter one in Ephesians. And Lord, we thank you for this, and we praise you in your name. Everybody said... Amen. Um, okay, real quick, um, I just want to let you know that when Paul wrote this letter, uh, it, it was a circular letter. Uh, what does that mean? A circular letter means this, that when he wrote this, it wasn't just for the church of Ephesus, but he was hoping that it would go to uh, the churches that were all around Ephesus as well. He would do that a lot of times. He would write a letter. It was written about 60 AD, so probably about 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. Um, he wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus, but he wanted it to go around to all the other churches um, in the, the area. I think that's important because um, if he wanted the letter to go to the churches around that area back then, I believe that God wants us to embrace this letter and understand um, what he has for us in the letter today. Um, it is also um, uh, a letter that uh, has a lot of depth in it. And um, just to 
give a quick outline. The first part talks about identity, our identity in Christ, and man, the importance that comes from understanding who we are in Christ and how he sees us. It moves from kind of a personal identity into a, a bigger uh, kind of the 30,000 foot view of identity that it's not just Jew or Gentile, but it's all of us that get to receive and understand this identity. Then he moves from that and he moves into how we operate in the body of Christ. And so you kind of get this picture, okay, see how I see you, see how I see everyone, and then see how everyone should actually come together and work together. Then he moves on and he goes into kind of like some very personal instruction like, um, Husbands and wives, how do you uh, live life together? Uh, parents with children, children with parents. Um, back then there were slaves. He actually was instructing slaves and in how slaves should um, work with their masters. Um, some of you feel like you're a slave at your work, so maybe you could apply that part uh, in the middle of it. Uh, but it's kind of a, a really cool letter. As a matter of fact, I would submit this. Uh, if there was one letter of the Bible that if somebody said, hey, you can have one letter to take with you, um, I would take the, the letter to the church in Ephesus because I think it's so uh, deep and so rich. And so uh, I'm going to start uh, the series by just taking the first 14 verses and uh, kind of showing uh, you, I'm hoping, uh, just how to do a little bit of a Bible study. Um, so when I uh, started to get ready for this, here's what I did. I sat down uh, in a place that very similar like this. I get get my computer out, or in this case, my iPad, I, I open up Bible Hub, biblehub.com. Um, it's just a great resource uh, where you can find different translations. You can get into the Greek and you can explore uh, different aspects of the word. Um, I also will have uh, my Bible. Uh, in particular, a study Bible is helpful and you can get a lot of information about uh, just different aspects of, of why a book was written or the meaning of certain verses. And so that is very helpful. And so um, that's what we're gonna just do today. For the next 20 minutes or so, I'm gonna um, just open up to the book of um, Ephesians and let's just kind of read through it verse by verse and, and ask the Lord to speak to us. So um, as we prayed earlier, Holy Spirit, speak directly to us as we go through this. And so um, it starts by saying this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Some translations actually say um, to the faithful people, the faithful ones of Christ uh, in the church of Ephesus. Um, two things that I just, as I was reading through that and asking the, the Holy Spirit to, to show me some things, uh, the first one is this. Um, how great is it that Paul understood what he is teaching to us? And what I mean by that is he starts at the beginning, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He knew how Jesus saw him. He knew what the Lord had gifted him with, and he just called it out. And in many of his letters, he started that way. Um, I, I don't even know if I have the confidence to go, Dan DeMay, an apostle of Shine Church. I, it's, it kind of sounds funny to even say that, but yet here we have Paul that was just so confident in who he was, and he just, I just love that, and I think that's his heart, that he wants us as we go through this book to understand how God sees us, who our identity is in him and how he sees us, and man, it's just so important to get that. The next thing it goes, it says, to the faithful people of Christ Jesus, or in my translation it says, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And I actually had this thought. Um, 
the faithful saints. He was writing actually to a group of people um, that lived in a place that uh, where the society actually was deep into idolatry. They actually were the capital uh, for the goddess Artemis um, or Diana. Another one, it was Diana. And so they actually would walk out. Let's, let's say they're gathered together and they're worshiping. They would walk out and they would see huge statues of Artemis. And so there was a constant reminder of just the, the idolatry and the different things that were going on at the time. And um, Paul comes in there, tells them about Jesus Christ, the goodness about that. They believe, and then Paul moves on, and he's getting reports back that they're still serving and they're still faithful to Jesus in the midst of a society and a culture that was trying to tell them that, oh, that's not the way. You need to follow Diana, or you need to follow Artemis. And so it's just, I I find it very interesting that when he speaks that to uh, God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful man, that's, that's just encouraging. If they could do it, then can we do it now? And what an encouraging word it is um, that somebody would write that to us. And so I actually wanted to say to you, to Shine Church, the faithful in Jesus Christ. Man, I love to hear the stories that are going on in the midst of this time because you are just staying faithful and true to your relationship with God. So keep, keep, up, keep on keeping on in the middle of that. It goes on, it says, grace and peace to you. Sorry, I gotta get this up. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just real quick, um, again, through Bible Hub, you can do a quick study like this, but it's very interesting that the word grace is used 12 times in six small little chapters. Grace is used six or 12 times in six chapters, and peace is used eight times. Now, here's what was interesting as it started to unfold uh, as I was studying this out, and I'm gonna talk about this in the next 11 verses. There is uh, a lot of nouns and verbs obviously used in sentence structure here. Um, But this idea of grace and peace, they're both nouns. And I want you to get a picture of this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. What Paul is saying is the gift of grace and the gift of peace is being given to you, church. And I want you to receive that right now. God wants you to have grace. What is grace? getting or uh, receiving something that you don't deserve. And how many of you love, love to receive that? And that's a gift of God. And the other one is peace. And we find other scriptures that talk about having peace that goes beyond understanding. And so church, I want you to understand that Paul, writing through the Holy Spirit, is communicating to you this, grace to you and peace to you. In the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of life, grace and peace to you. He wants to give you those two gifts. All right, moving on, going uh, three through 14. Now, I I wasn't gonna do this many verses, but it's interesting because as I was studying it out and reading through my study Bible, um, I actually found out that this next section from verse three to verse 14, in the Greek, it's actually one run-on sentence. It's just one huge sentence. And so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to try to read it to you right now in the way that it was actually intended without any punctuation and any breaks. Okay, so you guys ready? Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given 
in, to, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who are who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I know you probably didn't capture all of the heart that was in uh, those 11 verses, uh, but here's what I wanted to start with. This is one big, long, run-on sentence that Paul wanted us to understand. It's, it, we put punctuation in, and we put different pauses in, but I, I, as he was writing this, I think he wants us to understand that all of this, all of this in the next 11 verses is very important, and there's not one thing that's higher than the other. It's, it, it's all kind of like this equal footing, on this equal footing. And so let's break it apart a little bit. Verse three, praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, here, um, here's what God began to just kind of show me as I was studying this out. I started looking into the Greek word, again, using Bible HUD, uh, and and I started looking into different words. The word blessed here, where it says, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's interesting because the first blessing word there is a verb, okay? The second blessing is a noun. So get a picture here. What Paul is trying to get us to understand is that God acts into our lives and he blesses us so that we then would understand and receive the gift of blessing. And this isn't just verse three of the book of Ephesians. This idea runs through the entirety of the Bible. God blesses so that we can receive the blessing so that ultimately we can be a blessing. But here's what's interesting. Right here in the middle of this, he didn't talk about our action. He only talked about what he did and the gift we receive from that. We go to verse four. He says this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. Okay, the verb is he has chosen. Okay, so his action again was that he chose you and I. He chose you and I. It had nothing to do with what we did or what we didn't do, but he has chosen us. And then the, the, what happens then is we've got a noun in love. That love is the noun. So we received the gift of his love. But right before that, there's two descriptive words. He chose us so that we could be holy and blameless in love, in the gift of love. And so I, I just put in my note, um, the word chose there, it means I pick out. God picked you out. I want you to hear that today. God picked you out. Man, if you don't hear another thing I say, take that to heart. That God picked you out. And he picked you out, why? So that you could be holy and blameless. 
a description, not an action. He's not asking you to do anything. He's actually saying, I chose you, and because I chose you, and solely because I chose you, you are now holy and blameless. Oh, man, that is so good. And then it's funny because in our translations, it puts a period there, but it, in the run-on, it says in love. Again, that word love, that's that gift. So he chose his action, description, we're holy and blameless, in the gift of his love for us, agape, the noun, agape love that he gives to us. Verse five, it goes on and says this, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Okay, so again, here we have uh, the verb, he predestined. Okay, what does that mean? He marked out beforehand. In other words, he knew before you were in your mother's womb that he was gonna choose you and he marked you out Okay, so what did he mark you out? So that you could receive the gift of adoption. Now, interesting, adoption is a noun. It's the gift. It's the gift that God gives you. So he predestined, he acted, so that you could receive the gift of adoption. Now, here's what's interesting. I heard a, a teaching earlier, uh, just about a week ago, that actually, uh, man, I had never thought about this. What's the difference between um, adoption here on earth and this adoption here where God adopts us? Adopts us? The, the, the difference is this. In the physical adoption is you're taking somebody else's child with somebody else's DNA and you're bringing them into your household. But the DNA of that person doesn't change. But when God adopts you, your DNA changes. The word of God says you become a new creation. Your bloodline actually changes. You're grafted into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and your bloodline changes. That's super cool. I don't have enough time to go into that, but understand that you have been adopted because he chose you. He predestined to do this. And here's, I love the end of it, in accordance with his pleasure and will. And this was his great delight is to do this for you and I. Oh man, I, I'm, I'm just preaching myself happy here. I hope you're encouraged at home. I have no idea what's going on there. So shout amens, th throw some comments in there, some smiley faces and all of that. But uh, goes on in verse six then. And he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Okay, again, here's grace. That's the noun, that's the gift. Freely given is the verb. Man, get this. He, he wants us to understand that he has these great gifts that he has for us and that he is making the action. He is moving towards us. He's not even, get this, so far he hasn't asked us to do one thing yet. And, oh man, I hope you get that because so many times people are like, oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do this so I can receive the grace. I gotta do this so I can receive the adoption. I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And I haven't found a you gotta do yet in here. It's so far been what he does so that we can receive. And in this verse, you receive his grace, what we don't deserve. Because he, or he we receive his grace because he's freely given it to us. And he freely does that. Then it says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in according with the riches of God's grace. In this verse, a bunch of gifts. Here it is, the nouns. Redemption, forgiveness, and again, grace. Are you getting the picture? God wants you to understand that it's not about what you do. He chose you. He predestined you. 
He's adopted you. He's given you the gift of adoption so that you understand that from that adoption, you receive the redemption that we need to have interaction with our Heavenly Father. You receive the forgiveness that God no longer sees you through what you have done or what you haven't done, but he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, period. You're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. The ones you did, the ones you did today, the ones that you'll do tomorrow, you're forgiven. It doesn't give us a license to keep on sinning or doing whatever we want, but what it does is it opens our hearts to an understanding, oh my gosh, he's given me this gift of forgiveness. And then God's grace, and we've already talked about that. Then it goes, verse eight, and I love this, man. He says, that he lavished on us. Now, I am missing the interaction piece of being able to teach because at this point I would say, what does lavished mean? That's not a word that you hear very often, lavished. What does it mean that God lavished, that he lavished on us? If you look it up, it means over and above. Okay, so not only does he want you to understand that he is moving, he is acting so that you can receive these gifts that he has for you, but that he is doing it over and above what you could ever think or hope for or imagine. He is lavishing these gifts on you. Oh, are you getting the picture of this? Are you understanding the greatness of what God is, is saying here? What, God, what he's having Paul write. Then he goes, with all wisdom and understanding. Noun, noun. He wants you to have wisdom and he wants you to have understanding. And again, he wants, to, wants you to have it over and above. Not just a little wisdom, not just a little understanding. He actually wants you to receive wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse nine. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. He made known. Now, interestingly, the word know there is a verb, okay? But it's not a verb that we do again. It's a verb that he's doing. It says that he made known. He's letting you know this. I hope that you get some encouragement from this word, church, and that is this, that um, when it comes to wisdom and understanding, um, yes, we can study and we, we need to get into our word and we need to do Bible studies like this and we need to ask God to give us revelation, but it's his responsibility to give us the revelation. It's his responsibility. And it says here that he will do this. It's, it's his action that he will make known to us. What is he gonna make known? The mystery. The mystery is the noun. The mystery is the gift. I know a lot of people go, well, you know, Pastor Dan, you have a gift to read through the Bible this way. And man, stop saying that. I want you to know that you can do this just like I'm doing it. And with the tools that are out there, you can totally start reading this verse by verse and begin to see patterns like this and begin to realize that he wants you to know these mysteries. I've never seen this book this way, but just studying it this week, I began to see all these verbs and nouns and nouns and verbs. And again, we're to verse nine now and he hasn't asked a single thing from us yet. Man, how cool is that? Hmm. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Again, there's his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Reminds me of the scriptures that talk about it. the joy set before Jesus. He died for us. I mean, man, he, he didn't just do this because he had to do this so he could have a relationship with us. He did this because he understood the joy that would come if you and I actually comprehend this idea that he moves 
so that there's gifts that he has for us. Then he says, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Church, I don't have enough time to go into all of this, but the heart of God that heaven would be here on earth is, again, all the way through the word of God. And um, there is this thought and this thinking in the world today that says, um, you know, earth should be separated from heaven. Um, earth is kind of where Satan has dominion and his rule, and then heaven is where God is. I, church, I want, I want you to know the heart of God is that heaven would be here on earth, that we would actually come to know him here on earth and live in that relationship, that we would experience that abundant life, experience these gifts, and then share those gifts with other people so that they could come to know his goodness and his greatness. He wants heaven to come to earth. And it says, um, in the middle of being heaven here on earth, he wants to bring unity. And again, that's the noun. God wants us to understand that there's unity that, that needs to happen in the midst of this. And so that's where the relationship with one another comes in. That's why I can't wait to get back together with everyone because that's where unity is stirred up. And when you get to see people and get to hug on them and you get to hear their heart and you get to minister with them, man, it, it's amazing what unity comes together and what that looks like. And so, man, just such richness in this. Verse 11. All right, you guys with me? We got four more verses. Four more verses. We'll get through them. In him, we were also chosen, having been, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. A lot of words there. Uh, what I want to focus on is he, um, he repeats, he has Paul actually repeat that we are chosen and predestined. Again, nouns. Um, and I have always I heard it taught this way, that if you read something in the word of God, you need to pay attention to it. But if you see it in there as a pattern, or if you see it um, replicated, especially in a short section like this, there is something that God wants us to comprehend and grab a hold of. And I think that what that something is for you today is this, you are chosen and you've been marked out. You've been predestined. Um, God loves you. He knows you by name and he has a purpose and a plan for you. And it's not about, again, what you do. It's wholly and solely about what he's done for, for you. And he wants us to comprehend that. Man, grab a hold of that. If you're listening today and maybe you haven't entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that he's chosen you. And he would love for you to recognize that because there is nothing as great as receiving that gift that comes when you understand that he wants to call you his son or his daughter. And so grab a hold of that understanding. He has chosen you. He sent his son on your behalf. Verse 12. This is the first verse where I see an action on our part. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. That put our hope is a verb. And so it's the first time since we started this, this, this book where God is actually saying, okay, here's an action point for you. Now, some translations actually say put our trust. If you look it up in the Greek, it actually says trust. And so if you read it, in order that we who were first to put our trust in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Now, even in the middle of that, I want you to get the picture of this. He's saying, will you put your trust in me so that I can get glory. 
It's not, uh, I'm going to put a trust in you so that I can, me as the person can get glory. Or I have to do these certain things to show that I, uh, show that I trust you. Or I have to do all these things so that I can be worthy of uh, your glory coming on me. No, he says, hey, listen, put your trust in me and I will get glory. And I will get glory. And I love that. I love the fact that um, the very first action thing is he just says, hey, will you trust me in this? Will you trust that I'm acting so that you can receive these gifts? Will you trust that my heart is to do these things so that you can receive these gifts so that you will first trust me? I love that. I love the fact that the first thing, first action part is that we would trust him, not go out and do other things, but that we would actually just trust him. That's the first action that he wants us to do. I love that. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so much just in this one verse. Um, Okay, heard. It's a verb. It is an action on our part. Okay, so God wants us to trust in him. Then he wants us to open our ears. He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to give greater weight to what he is speaking to us than what the world is speaking. He wants us to understand that he wants to communicate to us. He wants a walking, talking relationship with each one of us. And I love the fact that he says here in this that um, once we put our trust in him, then what begins to happen is we begin to realize that he wants to speak to us. And we actually tune our ears, our spiritual ears, into what he has to say. And then it goes on and it says, um, we, we pleaded the Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, and when you believed. So we hear and then he wants us to believe. Okay, and again, that's a verb. Okay, in between hearing and believing is a noun, truth. So in 12, there's the trust, which is a verb. It's our part. We hear, we listen, that's a verb. That's our part. We listen, we ask God to speak to us. What do we ask God to speak? The truth. The truth is the noun. It's the gift that God wants to give to us. Oh man, I hope you're getting this. I hope I'm communicating this right. Because here's what happens. When we begin to trust God and really believe that he speaks to us, we trust in him, we start to hear him. What is he downloading to us? He's downloading to us the gift of his truth. Man, he starts to speak truth into what your life is and what he has for you. He begins to tell you about who he sees you as. He begins to share about the things that he wants you to be secure in and not insecure in. He begins to share with you the things that he wants you to have peace in and not fear. He begins to share with you how to walk a humble life and not a life based in pride. He begins to speak truth, the gift of truth to you. He's given us this gift right here. Man, he didn't just leave it to just the prayer time and and what we can hear from this Holy Spirit, but he also gave us his word so that we could unpack it like this so we could receive that gift of the truth. And so when he does that, he speaks to us, he speaks his gift of truth, the noun, so that then we can act and believe. So we trust that God is for us. We begin to listen to him. He gives us the truth and then we believe it and we start to step out in the things that he speaks over us. 
And this is so powerful if you can get this and comprehend this. And this is why Paul was writing this to the church, not just in Ephesus, but to all of us, because he wants us to understand that he chose us and that he has all these great gifts for us. And he's moving in action so that we can receive those things, so that we can trust in him, so that we can hear him, and we can believe what he's telling us. Oh, I hope you're getting that. That's just so good. Then he finishes it, and I just, man, this is amazing. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Man, marked with a seal is the verb. So he puts a mark on each one of us. The Holy Spirit is the noun. We've each been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And do you see how this all starts putting together? Because when we receive the Holy Spirit, we actually hear, which then helps us to believe and trust and put our hope in Him. And so God orchestrated something that was just absolutely incredible, and He's communicating it to us right here in this huge run-on sentence found in Ephesians. And he finishes the run-on sentence by saying this. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. All right. Four nouns in this last verse. Guarantee. It's a gift. It's a gift that he wants you to contend for and fight for. It's a guarantee. What is the guarantee of? The guarantee is that you have eternal life with God, and that's awesome, and heaven's going to be an amazing place. Um, I just finished the book of Revelation, and the new heaven and new earth, and the fact, get the picture of this, the new Jerusalem is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, and 1,400 miles high. I don't even know what that looks like, but it's going to be amazing. And we get to live eternity forever there. But it goes beyond that because God wants to bring heaven here on earth. And so eternal life actually starts when we ask Jesus into our heart. That's what the Word of God says. And so if that's the case, He wants us to understand that we have a guarantee of this relationship. The next noun there is, what is the guarantee of? It's of our inheritance. Our inheritance is what? Well, again, like I said, when we're adopted, we're adopted into the bloodline of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords. And because of that, we receive actually everything that comes with the kingdom of God. That's a whole nother study for a whole nother day. But man, I'm telling you, there's just such incredible joy when you actually start to think about that, man, I get to inherit all the things of the kingdom of God. Think about that. That's so much greater than the inheritance of whatever somebody could leave you here. I mean, I, I, I mean, trust me, I would love it if somebody inherited or gave to me, left an inheritance of $10 million. That would be awesome. But boy, that is so temporary. As my wife would say, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. But this is a guarantee of the inheritance that we receive in the kingdom of God. Next noun is redemption again. That we're redeemed because of what Jesus did. And then the possession. Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. 
man, some people might actually get upset by that, thinking that you are God's possession. Man, I don't want to be anyone's possession. But when you begin to understand the heart of your father, you begin to realize, um, man, I, I would love to have you have that understanding of who I am. That he did all of this so that we could be a part and possessions of God's family. And I hope that you can totally get that and embrace that and understand it. So here's, here's how I'll conclude it. The Father's heart is this, that we would hear his voice, trust in him, and believe in him. When we believe these 14 verses, it will transform our lives. When we just take these 14 verses, and I found myself this week thinking, man, I could go over and over these 14 verses for several months and actually just getting the depth of, of the action that God has taken towards me and the gifts that he wants me to understand and receive. Do you know, I, I, will, I will simply close with this. As a parent, I love giving gifts to my kids. And I couldn't wait until their birthday or Christmas because there was an excitement about what was, what was there in front of them. And they would look at that and they would tear into it and they would get so excited and they would open that gift and that package and they would pull it up and be like, oh my gosh, yes, can I go play with it right now? And they would go off and, and, and go, well, wait a second, we have other gifts. No, I want to play with this. And they just, they loved it with all of their heart. Um, I think any parent totally understands the joy that comes in that. When, when their child actually receives a gift in that way. Can you imagine if your child opened a gift and said, oh man, this is amazing. I'm gonna put it up here on the shelf until I'm um, good enough to be able to play with it. Or I'm gonna put it up on the shelf until I understand your heart for me more, dad. And then once I do, then I'll get it out and play with it. I don't know a single parent that would be excited about that response from a child. We get excited when a kid opens their gift and they want to go play with it and they want to use it. And church, I'll just simply close by saying this. God, in these 14 verses, moved towards us, moved towards you. So many different action points that are found just in that big run-on sentence. And why did he do it? so that he could give us gifts, whether it's grace or peace or redemption, all the different things, the, um, the forgiveness, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowing, getting to know him, the truth, all of these gifts. And I believe that it's his greatest desire and heart for us that we would go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these gifts. I am actually gonna... Not only have I opened them today, but I am going to totally apply them in my life and I'm gonna take the fullness of what the gift means and I'm gonna use it every single day of my life because I didn't do anything for it, but because of your heart for me, you gave it to me. And so I hope that you understand the depth of the love that God has for us. By the way, love was one of those gifts. He loves you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word, the depth that comes out of your word. And God, we pray that you would use this series just to open our hearts and open our minds to how much you care for and how much you love us. And so Lord, um, help us to understand um, what Paul was trying to do in this letter. And that is this, 
the very first thing he wanted us to realize is that it's not about what we do or how we move, but it's about our heavenly father and how he moves towards us, how he acts towards us so that we could have the opportunity to receive the gifts that he has for us. And God, I thank you. I thank you for that adoption. I thank you that you call us sons and daughters. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize the depth of the truth of that. Help us to live in such a way where we see how you see us in heaven right now here on earth. Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen.